0: So 10 years ago, this is 2020, 10 years ago, I took a course with the FDA and California State Public Health, um, and it was all these inspectors, and they were all in for a, um, they were trying to implement HACCP in restaurants. So it's retail food safety, retail um, uh, food safety guidance for restaurant people. And the 2006 restaurant or retail food service HACCP guide. And then there was also 2006 retail HACCP guidelines for inspectors to use. So one book was for the restaurant and one book was for the inspectors to use to help train uh, restaurant owners in HACCP. And because of the risks and hazards that we talk about all the time. So, um, I took that course and it was really interesting and I understood, and you know, so there's all these inspectors and then there's me and, uh, it, it was, it was a nice thing. Cause I was a, um, a teacher for food safety and I was getting into it at that time. This is 2010. So I was already doing it for three or four years, um, as a business. And I was trying to implement the HACCP as well. But, so I got to meet these people and Susan's who was with California at that time and a really terrific group of people. Um, It opened up my mind to, to what was going on. And so that's 10 years ago. So I've been working with this information still and teaching and training it. And I, at that time, they had us listen to an audio of a woman from Oregon who had gotten poisoned uh, botulism poisoning from a baked potato And she was kind enough to actually give a story and do an audio uh, story about the whole situation. Supposedly, it it started in 1989, and she was still having issues in 1995. And I think in 95 or 96 is uh, when, I'm not sure the time frame, but somewhere after 95 is when she did this audio um, description of her whole ordeal. And it really is interesting. And we were able to request um, permission and they sent me the audio. It was a disc at the time, and it's been sitting in my files and folders for all these years. And now this is 2020. So this is 30 years after it happened. Um, And, uh, you know, it's an important part of what we're talking about. So I'm going to add it to this podcast And uh, and I'm also going to put it into my training. So a really good um, Mm -hmm. description of this terrible disease. And it happens more often than we think. So, okay. Thanks very much. I'll uh, check in with you at the end.
1: Botulism is a deadly foodborne illness. We'd like to share the story of an Oregonian who survived. This is Carolyn Robb, Extension Foods and Nutrition Specialist at Oregon State University. Our story begins in June 1989, when Linda, a 49-year-old Eastern Oregon woman, traveled out of state on vacation. A restaurant meal triggered her life-and-death struggle with botulism. Health authorities speculate that the culprit was a potato that was baked long before it was served. The bacteria that cause botulism are in the environment. They produce spores that survive cooking. When conditions are right, the spores grow and produce a toxin. That toxin leads to the symptoms that Linda now describes. A year ago, my
2: husband and I left on vacation. It was on Father's Day and it was a beautiful day and we were having a very good time. We went to Winnemucca, we gambled, we had oh, we just played around. Late that night, I was hungry. There was only one place open. So we went into it. I ordered a baked potato. The baked potato was tan in color. It was not done all the way through, and it wasn't hot. But I never thought anything about it, because I've served those kind of potatoes before. I have had those at home before. I did not know that you could die from that. So I ate it. I griped about it. Not that it would have mattered a whole heck of a lot because all you have to do is touch your fork to that potato and put it in your mouth and you're dead. This is one of the most potent poisons that there is anywhere. The next afternoon, I'm still feeling pretty good about noon. About three o'clock in the afternoon, I noticed that I cannot see very well. My equilibrium is a little bit off, but I thought I was just tired. We went into Ontario, we shopped around a little while, and I kept getting worse and worse. So I decided, maybe we better come on home. By 8 o'clock at night, when we got home, my eyes were almost closed, I couldn't open them. I couldn't figure out what in the world was wrong. My equilibrium was really bad. But I went in and I went to bed, because I thought, I've just got the flu. Surely there's nothing serious wrong. Inside, I was scared to death because I knew something was bad. So the morning, I stayed all night, I mean, I slept all night, and towards morning, I had to wake Daryl up. I was becoming paralyzed on the left side, and my tongue was swelling. I thought that I had had a stroke. He took me in down here, and they run a lot of tests. They knew right off the bat it wasn't a stroke, but they had no idea what was wrong. They were in contact with Bend, And in the middle of the afternoon, now this is Tuesday afternoon, the helicopter came and took me to Bend. It is due to the helicopter and a doctor in Bend that I'm alive. When they got me there, the doctor was waiting. He took one look. He knew what it was. He had gone through all of his medical books, and it was the only thing that fit what I had. He ordered the antitoxin right then. He did not delay. He didn't even wait for the results to come back they put me on the table by this time i cannot see anymore my eyes are totally closed i'm laying there and they're checking me over and suddenly my diaphragm paralyzed i cannot breathe you talk about scared i kept trying and trying and it wouldn't work they grabbed me and they shoved a tube down my nose into my lungs so I could been put me on the machine so I could breathe. They couldn't put it through the throat at that time because my throat swole out almost even with my shoulders. My tongue swole so huge it hung out of my mouth, it wouldn't even fit in anymore. My face turned a dark color. My daughter said that I looked like a dead piece of meat laying there. That hurt when they run that thing down. Man, that hurt. It tore all the way down inside i screamed but by that time my throat was paralyzed i could make no sound at all i could not move i totally become paralyzed i laid there on the bed that's all i could do is lay there i could hear and my mind was very clear i wish it hadn't have been it would have been so much easier if it hadn't have been but i could hear everything going on around me i heard the doctor telling my family that there was only a 20% chance that I would survive this. And that if I did survive, I would be, par- be paralyzed for up to six months, maybe longer. I lay there and I thought about that. I thought about the pain I was causing my family, and I thought about the money it was costing. It was going to cost us everything that we had. And I thought, I don't want to live anymore. If I could just die, not only is it better for my family, But I won't hurt. I'll be free of this pain because this is a very painful disease. This is not like paralysis where you have an accident and you lose feeling. You don't lose feeling with this. It's like a burn, the doctor said. As the nerves uh, are destroyed, they hurt. And later on, when they're growing back, they hurt. And they hurt for a great long time afterwards. In fact, last night I woke up, the bottom part of my body was hurting still because some of those nerves are still growing back. Every time that they had to turn me over was agony, even touching me hurt. They'd turn me about every two hours, and if they laid my head in the wrong position, I was in agony until they moved me again. I could not tell them that I hurt. I couldn't say a thing about it. I could just lay there and suffer. I think I would have gone crazy, 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 except that my family and the doctors and the nurses were pulling so hard for me. They were working so hard to get me well. Because they know so little about this disease, they know so little about what it will do to, to you, they did not dare put me to sleep when they had to operate on me. When they finally were able to put this into my throat, the doctor told me, he knew I could hear. He knew I understood everything that went on around him. He told me, he says I can't put you to sleep. And he says, this is going to be very uncomfortable. But he says, we'll do it fast and do the best we can. So they gave me a shot of dimerol, and they gave me a shot of Valium, and they cut a hole in my throat, and they shoved a tube in. It hurt. I guarantee you, it hurt. But I couldn't say anything, and I could not move. I just lay there. I laid there for three months, till I was finally able to breathe some on my own, and I got it back. And then they shipped me to Portland, where I had to learn everything all over again. Because when those nerves are destroyed, all of the programming from your brain to the rest of your body is destroyed. So you learn everything all over again. Stuff you take for granted, stuff like moving your finger, stuff like moving your hand, stuff like, even though I was no longer paralyzed, I could not move them. An exercise they had me doing was touching my fingers here. You'd be surprised how hard that is to do. Until your mind is programmed to do it, I was just like a newborn oh baby, except instead of like a baby, they can make sound, they can eat, and I could not. I spent five months unable to eat. I lay there and I watched the TV with those beautiful, beautiful food ads on it. And I'd really so, so suffered over those. At the end, when I finally got everything back, I still was, my throat was still paralyzed. It was the last thing to come back. In fact, they had taught me to feed myself. By this time, they had taken the feed tube from my nose and had put one into my stomach, which again, they were unable to give me any type of thing to put me to sleep. They cut a hole in my stomach and they shoved a tube inside there. They taught me how to feed myself that way because they weren't even sure I would ever be able to eat again. Well, I finally am able to eat, but not a whole lot. I do not have any saliva. I cannot cry because I have no tears. They don't know if I will ever get these back because not enough people have ever lived over it to even know this. I have high blood pressure from it. I am weak. I have problems with my lungs. And I have a problem with the scarring inside here. Someday I will have to have this cut open again and have it removed. This time, hopefully, I will be asleep when they do it. Something I didn't talk about this morning, you talk about staph infections. I received one of those because I had the tube down my throat for so through my nose and down for so long. It caused a staph infection. And in January, I had to go in, and they had to cut up through my upper lip, pull my face back, and scraped everything inside because it was eating into the bone. Now this has cost over a quarter of a million dollars already. I have no idea how much more. All because somebody got careless in a restaurant with food. I beg everybody that is hearing this, don't get careless with your food because don't cause somebody else the agony and the hurt that it caused my family and myself. Thank you.
1: Linda's recovery from botulism has been slow, but she's glad to be alive. After five years, she has not regained all of her fine muscle coordination. She has little saliva or tears. Her eyesight has declined. Her illness could have been prevented by proper temperature control. Don't leave perishable foods at room temperature longer than two to three hours. That includes baked potatoes, pot pies, meat stew, and other cooked foods. Keep hot foods hot and cold foods cold. Linda once worked as a waitress. She challenges you as food service workers to handle food safely so that your customers will not suffer as she did. For further information about safe food handling, Contact your county extension office.
0: As they said, um, the pot pies, the baked potato, anything cooked, you have to watch your time and temperature abuse uh, and and the guidelines, right? Um, The temperature danger zone from 41 to 135. And in the ground, the dirt, and the dust are spore-forming bacteria. One of them is uh, botulism, right? Clostridium botulinum. And then there's Clostridium perfringens, and there's uh, Bacillus cereus. These are spore-forming bacteria that make people sick if you temperature abuse the food once you cook it. When you take a carrot out of the ground and it's raw and you dust it off or you wash it off and you eat it, if the spore is there, right, the spore is a dormant um, nodule, right, basically, and the bacteria is inside of it, but it's dormant it's sleeping in the ground for so many years however long whatever it is but it's sleeping once you heat treat it once you activate it once you cook it then it wakes it up it's like hey wake up wake up wake up to the spore to the nodule and then if you allow the nodule the spore bacteria to drop from the hot temperature into the temperature danger zone for enough time then it opens kind of like aliens right the egg from aliens and then the bacteria within can grow through the bacterial growth curve over time to a level to make us sick it'll turn to a toxic level and it might it depends on on conditions but it'll be you know a few hours to uh, you know over a day the point is is that this woman in the audio was poisoned by a baked potato because the cooks normally cook the potato at three in the afternoon for dinner service but she was at bar rush she was after the gambling right she was later in the night so it might be you know 2 a.m. so from the time they cooked it at 3 till the time that she ate it at, at 2 or 3 in the morning it allowed the bacteria because normally they have the hot holding drawers right they'll bake the potato put them in the hot holding drawer to keep it warm but if somebody forgot to turn it on or if that drawer wasn't on that's what allowed this bacteria to grow. So we have Clostridium botulinum, we have Clostridium perfringens*, we have Bacillus cereus, all of those are the, kind of similar. From the ground, the dirt and the dust are spore forming bacteria that when abused, temperature abused for enough time, they'll grow to a level to make us sick. So we have to pay attention to our times and temperatures, keep things hot, keep things cold, don't allow that spore bacteria to grow. Botulism is usually associated with anaerobic or no oxygen environment. The baked potato is so thick and dense, there's no oxygen in there. Uh, Potato salads have been caused or have caused botulism. Um, Cryovacing is a big thing. So in the clostridium perfingens is in uh, beef stews and gravies and pot pies and things. Why? What's the base ingredient? Mirepoix, right? the onions and the carrots and the celery from the ground, the dirt and the dust. Herbs and spices from the ground, the dirt and the dust. Bacillus cereus is in rice and other vegetables, the ground, the dirt and the dust. These spore-forming bacteria are in the dirt or the dust. And if it gets into the food, you can't cook it off. We don't cook it off because the nodule, that shell, that spore um, protective cover keeps it dormant and safe. Uh, for a long time from different environmental conditions and then if conditions are right it'll open and grow to a toxic level and either cause vomiting or diarrhea or paralysis or death okay so with with sushi rice how do we control the spore bacteria in the sushi rice we use right for flavor and for safety the acid in rice wine vinegar so in certain counties like san diego county they require a hazard plan for for sushi rice because it's been known and associated with bacillus cereus causes vomiting okay an emetic toxin so it can turn toxic and cause a lot of vomiting then also uh, diarrhea if it's in other vegetables so it depends on where it is as to how bad it's going to get so my little rambling here is Keep your temperatures straight and pay attention to these spore-forming bacteria because we don't need them in our food. All right. Thanks very much. I appreciate your time. Um, Click like and share. Take care.